And I'm delighted to be joined on another episode of the WNL Show by Stephanie Roach, P-Mount United Forward. The last time we had Steph on the show was the very first podcast. Steph, thanks for coming along again. No problem, Ryan. Thanks for having me. I guess we'll start off with a little bit of, little bit about what's going on with you. You're back home this year. You're back playing in the National League. Played 90 minutes last night. Played 90 minutes Saturday. You're back enjoying football again. You've had a lot of niggles and injuries in the last couple of years. Yeah, definitely. I think obviously I've been away and had a couple of injuries over the last obviously the main one was when I broke my leg playing for Ireland a couple of years ago and kinda of, it took me a bit longer than I wanted to to get back kinda of playing. I kinda of was given a diagnosis that was meant to be quicker than than it ended up being. It ended up being nearly eighteen months out and not playing football and then obviously my contract was up at Sunderland, so it was just all a bit complicated and I was just trying to I suppose figure out my next step and I went to Italy and Look, I enjoyed my time over there and stuff, but then I just kind of hit a stage where I was like, I want to go back home and, and enjoy my football and be around kind of family and friends. I'd, I'd done my kind of my time away from, from Ireland and, and playing football at a professional level, and I was just ready to kind of come back and, and kind of, as I said, get back to just enjoying my football. And, and I'm thankfully doing that now with P-Mount. Um, the last few months have actually been a bit of a nightmare, just as you mentioned, Nichols, just before the season started, I had a little bit of a problem with my hip and then. I got 90 minutes against Cork and felt like I'd done well in the game and I ended up fracturing my rib in the game. So like I just had no look over the last kind of couple of months. But as you mentioned, so I've got two 90 minutes under my bench or under my belt. And yeah, hopefully now I can I can kick on from that and, and continue to enjoy my football. Despite having a couple, a couple of niggles this season, you've still managed to get on the score sheet a couple of times as well. And you can see how much every time you scored, the, maybe the, not necessarily the relief, but the enjoyment, you know, a couple of times, the first one that comes to mind in particular is that the goals against Shelbourne in the league and then the goal against Athlone and the, against Treaty in the, in the league where you, you nearly had a roar just in pure enjoyment <laughs> that you actually scored. Yeah, I think there is that little bit of, like, obviously I've just come back to P-Mount and, and the competition is obviously high within the team as well. So, look, I've always loved scoring goals and I think when I was abroad and playing different countries, I played in different positions and, and I probably lost that element in my game to a certain extent. Like, I was playing left wing a lot of my time when I was away, I played kind of in midfield. You know, I wasn't playing kind of in positions where I was getting the opportunities to score goals. So now I'm playing the nine for P-Mount. It's, it's, it means that I have more opportunities to score. So I'm, I'm almost disappointed if I'm not getting on the goals or on the on the score sheet. So yeah, look, I'm, I'm just happy to be back enjoying my football. And obviously as a striker, you want to score goals. So it's just, it's just kind of that little bit of passion that I'm happy to be scoring goals again, you know. When you come back to Ireland, you come back playing the National League, did you maybe have a bit of a point to prove because of the injuries, you know, the fact that you hadn't played a lot of football in all that time and some people maybe wrote you off. You've been in and around, or in and around Ireland squads and then, you know, you weren't playing as regular as you would have liked. Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of people wrote me off. I think a lot of was reading articles that I'd retired and everything like so. I think there's obviously a lot of people who aren't that informed in terms of knowing everybody's, I suppose, schedules and where they're playing and who they're playing for and, and what's happening. And obviously being around the Ireland team and not really playing, that's not something that I want to be doing. Obviously, as a footballer, you want to play and you want to make sure that you're putting yourself in a position that the manager can see you play and seeing what, what you're what you're capable of doing. And, and I feel like the last kind of couple of seasons have been frustrating for me because I probably haven't been able to show what I'm, what I'm really able to do. And, and that's kind of part of the reason why I came back. So, I definitely think coming back into the league, obviously I loved my time here before I went away and before I kind of decided to go professional. So so coming back here, it wasn't kind of a case of coming back and just kind of taking my foot off the, off the gas and settling back into life at home. It was, 
I wanted to pick up where I left off in the league, you know, and, and I wanted to be scoring goals and I wanted to be competing. So obviously I had the opportunity to go to Piedmont and there's, there's no better club to go to if, if you ask me just in terms of obviously they're competing for the league and we're in the Champions League, but even just the competition within the squad is there and that kind of keeps you on your toes as well, you know. Like you look at even, you look at your social media a lot. You're not, you're not at home as if you're a, a player who's just enjoying being at home. You, you put pictures of you, you're either in the gym, you're out running doing pitch sessions yourself by yourself. So you're actually putting in the graft away from the actual, the club as well, just to make sure you do keep up to them standards that you would have, you would have been used to when you're away from home being a professional. Yeah, and I think that's something that I touched on when I came back. Like I, like I have a lot of kind of young kids and stuff who follow me on Instagram and, and I have parents maybe ringing me and asking me to give their kids advice. And like it, for me, it would be kind of hypocritical for me to be saying, oh, you need to do this and you need to do that. And then I'm coming home and I'm not doing it, you know, that kind of way. So for me, it was a case of, as I said, I didn't want to come home and kind of go from being in that professional environment where I've been training every day and then coming back here and, Look, training with Piedmont is intense. It's good sessions all the time, but it's only two nights a week. And if I want to go and play for Ireland, then make sure that when I get in, if I get back into the Ireland squad and if I get the opportunity to play, I have to make sure that I'm putting in the graft away from it and, and doing the extra bits of work. And, and even like little things, when I came on against Galway, I had a header that I should have scored and like little things like that annoy me. So I kind of want to go away and try and work on it. And that's kind of like, I have the freedom to be able to do that because the way things are in the in the in the world at the minute with COVID, that I'm not really working as such. So I have the free time, so I need to kind of use that to try and, as you say, put in the extra graft and and deal my extra bits away from from training with females. Having a boyfriend who plays in the League of Ireland as well it must be extremely helpful because the two is much pushy pushy to each other to try to get the better of each other when you're doing things. Yeah, definitely, and obviously it's it's frustrating even because obviously when I was home when I was injured, I was able to go and watch a lot of his games and. And it's funny because Dean's a total different player to me, but I, I learned a lot from watching him play as well because I've always been kind of that out-and-out striker who just wants to score goals and kind of, you know, the glory hunter and the greedy <laughs> player. But, but watching him, I think it adds different elements to my game. I think it helps me kind of become a bit more disciplined. And, and I suppose he's the type of player that maybe does the work that goes unnoticed. And I think kind of watching him, as I said, helps me kind of learn more about the game and learn more about kind of the work that he puts in to, to how he plays. And I kind of trying to then to add that to my game because I think as I've got older I've started to play more deeper in, in midfield particularly for Ireland I think that's where where Vera will be looking at me to play and, and I kind of need to get better in terms of defensively as well so I do think watching him helps me and, and as you say we motivate each other we we try to get out as much as we can together but he works full time and, and I'm kind of obviously trying to get my coaching company off the ground as well so we don't get a lot of time together but when we do we, we're always pushing each other to, to be the best and, and to as I said learn every day because even though we're both kind of getting to that later stage of our careers, we're still willing to learn and, and still into kind of willing to work hard to, to get to where we need to be. You talk about wanting to play a little bit deeper. Somebody texted me last night, I won't name the name, who was watching the game <laughs> against Piedmont, and he was just talking about your, your, just your ability on the ball in terms of your passing and stuff like that. You can see, you know, you're, linking, you're looking to link up with players as well. You're looking to, to get involved. How much, of it, how much of it does that sort of, you say with the age or you're dropping back, but does that reinvent the wheel for you sort of because you're learning new things regarding the position wise whereas you're not necessarily always right up top getting the opportunities as you would yeah exactly I think look I think in terms of how I've always played I think getting older and obviously I don't think I've ever had that much pace to lose so I'm quite lucky in that sense that I think I've never really been that mad pacey player who's going to be 
terrorising the defenders and more kind of the player who wants to get on the ball and play and as you say like thread those balls through and try to find the gaps and and I think obviously playing on the nine with the likes of Ellie and Anya around me it helps because if we're on the same wavelength I can drop out and they go into that position and it means they can get on the ball I think that's that's where I'm better I feel anyway I feel like I'm better when I'm dropping in and and trying to create but obviously I want to score goals as well but I think in this league like you get the opportunity to especially with Pima and drop in and get on the ball and as I said when you have the quality around you that I have within the squad it helps me because it means they're distracting players and I'm getting the space to be able to kind of pick them out then from from passes but yeah look I don't think that's anything to do or even with my age I think that's just the way I've always liked to play I think even my first kind of spell with Pima I always would have preferred to play in the 10 and I would have had like Sarah Lawler ahead of me or Anya and Julianne. Again, look, they're great players that I had to be able to pick out. So, must be, it must be, it must be nice though the fact you're back with Anya again. Yeah, definitely. Look, Anya's been my one of my best friends through football my whole life, and I like on the way. And even just when I was coming home, she was kind of the first person who I messaged just to say like, "Look, what do you think?" And and obviously, I spoke to James then and was able to kind of take it in in at Pima. So it was nice to be able to to kind of. I suppose get back in and playing with her and we link up look we don't we find each other on the pitch without looking and I think even with the goal the other day and a few little bits here and there obviously we haven't had the consistency of playing together all the time but I think look I've just as I said I know her I know her and I've played with her for so long now that I don't even have to look I know where she is so and, and like, likewise with her so it's just nice to have that back again you know It's funny that when we speak about Anya that same Northern Ireland game that you were injured in Anya done a similar enough injury you both spent a long period of time out with each other at that stage. When that happens, like I know Anya, I know Anya when, when it happened was, was potentially targeting being back for late in the cup for the league. Like she went, didn't play until the following season as well. When you get the initial diagnosis and you're thinking, okay, it's not going to be as long as I thought. How do you get through that sort of frustration period when it rumbles on, it gets longer, it gets longer and you know, you're sort of sitting on the sidelines wanting to know what's going to happen. How do you, how do you process all that? Um, yeah, it's funny because when obviously we both got injured and I remember kind of everybody was fussing over me more so because I think they thought maybe I, I'd done my ACL and that was kind of the fear straight away and, and Anya being Anya was like, oh, I'm grand and look, I didn't know what was wrong with me. I knew I'd done something bad, but I didn't know what it was and, and when we went to the initial diagnosis, like Anya was told basically she'd be longer than me, but obviously there was complications then with mine that they, they missed a certain fracture in my kind of just above my knee which which meant then I was out for longer so like it was when we were chatting about it we were like oh sure you'll be back in no time type of thing and and it ended up being that I was out even longer so it was just it was frustrating obviously because I think when you're injured the first thing you want to know is when am I going to be back you know like you need kind of a timeline in terms of of what I can do and when I'm able to do it and and for me it was just the case that I was thought I was going to be back quicker than I was and then when I came back there was still the issue that they had missed the first time. So that was just frustrating because I obviously remember when we first got injured, we were like, oh, we'll get back for the Holland game in November. And look, we were way off that, you know what I mean? I think you try to be as optimistic as you can be, but it's just about kind of, I suppose, having good people around you. As you mentioned before, I have Dean and, and even Anya, Anya would have been good to me in terms of texting and seeing how I was and that. And you just kind of have to keep the head down and keep going, you know? Like even at that stage, you're still away. You're still away at Sunderland. Like, and you, you sort of think to yourself, I'm playing the top league in England. Oh, I need to get back. I need to get back. It's it's sort of one of them, and no, none of us sort of knew what would happen with Sunderland. Obviously, with them coming out of the league the, the year after, but like even at that, as you say, your contract was coming towards the end as well. So like, 
you were even left in limbo in terms of club wise because you couldn't didn't even have an opportunity to impress and and things like that. And it sort of meant when when that contract was up, teams maybe weren't willing to take a risk on you because you've been out for so long. Yeah, exactly. And like I think what people don't realise as well is that I obviously got injured playing for Ireland, so. I ended up going back to Ireland and doing my rehab here because I was going through the FEI to do my kind of my consultations with the doctors and stuff like that and the physio. So I was back home on my own training a lot. I wasn't even in the club and pe- or in, in Sunderland, should I say, sorry. And like when I did go back then, I kind of had been given the clearance to go back and I went back and look, Mel, it was brilliant with me over there, the manager. Like I really was kind of just coming into my own in my second season obviously that would have been the beginning of my third season and like she really wanted me back and wanted me to be able to play and I went back at Christmas and I knew something wasn't right and like I was saying to her like look I want to play I want to come back in and I was training and doing my best but I ended up as I said there was another kind of fracture in the top of my leg that they had missed and like I kind of was playing on thinking I was just you know when you're when you're coming back from injury you almost don't want to say it and because you're thinking it's in my head like I've been injured and I've been out for a while like I need to kind of just get the head down and go and like with this problem it was just kind of I knew it was something that was really restricting me and, and I ended up then going home again after Christmas to be to be treated in, in, in Ireland and obviously the league in, in Sunday and England was finishing in the June so it was just like before I knew it the season was over and obviously as you mentioned the the kind of financial issues that Sunderland were having they were kind of folding pretty much as a team they were dropping down the leagues and I didn't know what was going to be happening. Like I had a really good relationship with the manager and the, the chairwoman of the club and, and they wanted me to sign back, but they were going to be playing the Northern Premier League, which again, for me, coming back from injury, I kind of needed to make sure that if I was coming back, that I was coming back at a high level or, or it could have been that it would go to pot, you know, that kind of way. I didn't want to go somewhere where it wasn't going to be get, I wasn't going to be getting the right treatment and I wasn't going to be able to kind of play at a high level. So look, it was just a mental time, like it really was. And, and, Obviously, I got the opportunity to go to Italy then, which again was was all a bit weird as well. So it was just, yeah, crazy time. And look, I'm just happy enough that it's kind of behind me. And now I'm kind of, as I mentioned before, back enjoying my football with P-Mount. And, and just being home and being around people is, is a big thing, I think. Like even with you being home, you've added more strings to your bow in terms of you started to get a lot more media stuff. Or you've started to use a lot more female presenters. You've seen even the last the last World Cup. They had they had every game, nearly every game on live, or else it was on TG Car. They've started to use them for for men's stuff, and you've managed to get in there as well and get get in to do some punditry as well. That must be you must be enjoying that as well, adding another strength to your bow. Yeah, exactly. And look, RTE have been brilliant to me as well. Like they would have been in touch with me quite a bit while I was away, and I would have been trying to get back when I could to do little bits and bobs and that. Like, but at times, like I've, I think I've always said, like football comes first with everything that I've done. I've always tried to say, like football got me kind of these opportunities, so it would be kind of, I wouldn't feel like I'm doing myself justice if I kind of gave up football to come back and do all that, you know, that kind of way. So, Laguardia have been brilliant to me, and and other other radio stations and stuff have obviously given me opportunities and podcasts and stuff that I've done. So, to be here and to be able to kind of do them almost at the drop of a hat is, is so much better. Like it's it, it obviously you say it gives kind of different uh, add strengths to my ball and kind of gives me that little bit of a setup for maybe when I do finish football because look, you have to look at the future as well. I think when you're playing football, you're in that bubble and you don't be thinking like, you don't be thinking like, Jesus, what am I going to do when I finish? And it probably was my injury that made me kind of think of my future and what I'm going to do when I stop playing. But look, I'm just grateful that I've been given opportunities and it's 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 great to see the likes of RT and other companies now are giving female athletes a better chance of being able to do them things away from football or whatever sport they're playing, you know? Talk to me a little bit about the fact that knowing you're covering an Ireland game, you're not in the squad and you're, say, covering it for television. How difficult is it? 
because obviously <laughs> your, your friends are your friends with everybody. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's you have to be you have to be careful of what you say to who you say because number one you want to you want to you want to come across well on television, but you also don't want to put say something wrong that maybe yeah, someone yeah. in the squad because. It really is a thin line because, like, look, I'd be very passionate about watching the girls and I want them to win and I want them to do well. So, you know, like, there's times where, you know, if someone made a mistake, I'd be like, oh, what are you doing? And you kind of have to be like, oh, you kind of catch yourself before you say it. You know, like, on the way, but look, it, I think as well, like I've said in the past, I think it's important that there is criticism. I think you don't want to patronize the girls either because, like, I know the girls will expect the best from themselves. So, like, if they do make a mistake, I'm not going to be like, I I wouldn't make excuses for them. I'll kind of I'll try and obviously dress it up and not like I'd never tear into any player around. But I think it's important, as I said, not to patronise them and say, "Oh, sure, she's done her best" type of thing because I know they demand the best for themselves as well. So, look, I try to obviously analyse the game. That's what they've asked me to do from from an RTE point of view. And and obviously, as you mentioned, I'd be good friends with a lot of the girls. But like, I want the best for the team and I want the best for for the girls and I know they do as well so we kind of have to I suppose call it as I see it as well but as I said I'd never never slate any of the girls because I know none of them will go into the game wanting to make mistakes but yeah it can be it can be touchy because as you say I'm I'm still around the squad and like I'm expected to kind of give my honest opinion but it's, yeah, you have to be careful in what you say that you don't kind of nobody takes offence to what you say as such <laughs> Yeah no absolutely I, I've come across that a couple of times where I've said stuff where players haven't taken it well but the thing is when they say it there's a reason why I'm saying it. I'm not saying it to try and actually have a pop at someone. I'm trying to yeah, say it. Yeah, yeah, it's because... your opinion and you have to be seen to, to give your opinion. You can't, as I said, you can't dress it up. And like for me personally, like if I'm playing in a match and I make a mistake, I prefer someone to say, look, you've done that wrong. Do you know that kind of way? And I'm not, not getting me wrong. It might be people's opinions who I don't really care about either. You know that kind of way? Like everybody's entitled to their opinion, but it's who you listen to that's matter- that matters really. But yeah, look, I think, as I said, I think the girls are, are professional enough to, to be able to take any sort of kind of. I suppose criticism as much. I didn't really, to be fair. I don't think I gave much criticism. I thought the girls played really well, to be fair. So, no, absolutely. But like, it must be different in terms of going from punditry to commentary because I actually thought you come across superbly in the commentary, and like you, you know, you got your points across. You, you actually got how did was that an enjoyment part of it? Actually commentating on the game rather than giving your say assessment at halftime. Yeah, I think obviously the commentary is is harder because it's on the spot and it's you have to say it as you see it type of thing. And I think when you're doing the punditry and you're in the studio, you get to watch the game and you get to talk amongst the panel and stuff. And you kind of know what you're going to talk about then at halftime because it's based off what's happened. Whereas when you're in commentary, it's kind of like off the cuff. You have to say what you see. And look, Darren Maloney was brilliant. Like he helped me a lot. And even just before the match and all, he kind of he rang me before the day of the game to go through like kind of what your role is as co-coms, you know, like on the way. But now I enjoyed it. I think like I've always enjoyed that side of the game. Like I'm obviously a big Man United fan and I watch the Premier League a lot. And and even like I kind of, I'd sit in and watch the halftime analysis as much as I'd watch the match. You know, like on the way, I do enjoy that side of the game. And that's something that, that I kind of would like to, to look into a little bit further. And I like kind of, as I said, just getting into the nitty gritty of analysing the game and, I think it's important as a player to be able to read the game as well. I think that's something that definitely in in international football that's becoming more and more prominent. Like the girls need to actually tactically be aware of what they need to do. So I think it's important for me, even just going back into the team, to be able to kind of know the tactics of the game and what went wrong, what went right. And yeah, I enjoyed that part of it, but it's, it was just, yeah, it was a different experience and, and I enjoyed it. You say like tactic, talking about tactics, you haven't been able to identify things. How far along have we come in terms of 
stuff like performance analysis and stuff like that because you see it's now massive and part of every, in every aspect of the game. Yeah, we've come a long way. And I think even, I can't remember, I'm pretty sure I heard Vera saying that at halftime in the game, they had the screen in the, in, in the dressing room and they were showing the girls basically. Like sometimes you can be told something and like if a manager's telling you something, you can probably go, oh yeah, yeah, grand. But you won't actually remember what she's talking about. You're just saying it to kind of get it over with, you know, that kind of way. Whereas if you're in the dressing room and there's a screen in front of you and she says, see this, I want you to go there when that happens. That's like seeing the picture in front of you, it definitely helps you then going out. And I definitely think women's football has come like a long, long way. And that's something I think that, like, I think before, like you hear about equal pay and all that sort of stuff, but I think equal treatment is the most important thing. And that's kind of part of it, you know, like that's stuff that would never have been thought about in the women's game, maybe even just five years ago, five, six years ago, that wouldn't have been there. Like, and that's something that people might not know. Like it's, it's a small, small thing that can make a big difference in a big game against the likes of Germany where you're being shown at halftime exactly what you're doing. You've got a video analysis guy going through the whole thing throughout the whole first half and you have it there when you come in. And that's, that's something that I think needs to, that's obviously along with a lot of other stuff that, that is different to, to equal pay. It's just equal treatment and having that kind of, I suppose, professionalism to the game when you're playing, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and we've seen this week the equal pay stuff has come up again where the government are saying that they want they want the, the women's team to have that. But I agree with what you're saying regarding if equal pay is something that you want to see down the line, but equal to, equal treatment to have the best of the best is is more important at the moment because you need to, if you, if you want to qualify for major tournaments, you need to have everything that's laid out in front of you that's the best of the best that you're not wanting for anything. Yeah, exactly. You have to be prepared in the right ways. And like, I think a lot of the girls and most women in particularly women's football, I think it's, we know it's a ground sport and we know that it needs to become more marketable and it needs, we need to do more kind of stuff. And that obviously comes with help from elsewhere as well. But I think the most important thing to us is that we're, we're prepared and we're given the right kind of tools to be able to go out and do the job that that's expected of us. And that's something that's been missing over the years. But as I said, thankfully it's definitely changing. Now, obviously, Vera announced the squad yesterday, the provisional squad for the Ukraine game. You were named in. You were named in the squad yourself. You have a couple of more weeks, a couple of games more. Before, well, I think you was it one more game before before you go out there, an opportunity to play again. You'll be just hoping to get ninety minutes and maybe get an opportunity to impress. Yeah, definitely. Look, I think I've said before. I think, like even chatting to yourself after the match the other night, I think it's all about consistency. I think as a player, you need to play and you need to. Like you can't really get match sharpness by not by doing nothing else. Like I can't go out into the pitch and do my own kind of session to get match sharpness. You can only get that through playing, you know, and being involved in in tight games and and like even the Shells game, obviously in Talco was tight or was a tough game. Like they're a very very good team. Then to play them at home after beating them by so much was always going to be a tough game. So you kind of have to be switched on. Your match sharpness is there. So look, I'm just grateful that I've got those two ninety minutes under my belt and and hopefully I get another one or get minutes in the next game we play because, as I said, look, the competition is sharp in team. But for me, it's just about playing and, and getting that consistency to my game. And and I need that. I think, as I said, I've been out for a while. And when you're out and you're kind of getting niggles and stuff like that, it can be frustrating because you can't get into a, a little routine. You can't get into the swing of things as quickly. So I just want that consistency and to be able to then hopefully show what I'm about and what I can do. And, and then hopefully I can, I can show Vera and... And the Ireland team as well, because obviously that's what I want to do. I want to be part of it. I want to be there with the girls. It's a massive opportunity. As much as I love doing the co-coms. <laughs> <laughs> it's a massive opportunity, though, away to Ukraine. Because if we can get three points in that, it guarantees a playoff. It's like it's 
it's it's amazing to have your de- your destiny's in your own hand. We're we're under no illusions. We beat them at home, but it'll be a it'll be an extremely tough game away from home. But actually going over there, knowing that your destiny is in your hands, is is massive. Yeah, and I think we've always said that even before the Germany game. I think we knew the Ukraine one was always going to be the massive big game for us. It's the one that we need to win. We need to go out and make sure that we we do we do our job. And look, I think the girls will be well clued into that. I think the German game was definitely it almost, I suppose, I don't want to say we use it as a, as a training match before the Ukraine game because obviously you're playing against a phenomenal team in Germany. But I think the... The emphasis had to be on on the Ukraine game and getting yourselves ready for that. And I think the girls will be will be in shape and ready to go for for when we have to play. And hopefully we can get the win. Like it was evident that certain players in the squad, you could see, as you said it yourself, in terms of match sharpness, some of them maybe didn't have as much match sharpness as they would have liked. So the fact that a couple of them got minutes under their belt as well, the clubs after, and they have a, a couple of four weeks between the Germany and the and the Ukraine game, like it's an opportunity because a lot of us haven't played a lot of football this year, especially due to the likes of COVID. Yeah, it's it's actually it's funny because I was only on talking about the men's game tomorrow, and the men were the same when they played Bulgaria and, and Finland. Like you're expected to play at a high level intensity against good teams, and if you don't have that match sharpness, it's difficult to kind of t- to get it. You know, you can't get that unless you're playing. And, and thankfully, the girls and I think most of the girls who started the last game have been playing a lot as well, so that helps. Like obviously, the players who she wants to use and and have are, are kind of being used as that starting eleven have have played and, and will have that match sharpness. But I just think. It's not even about that. I think the girls are passionate and want to get with obviously to qualify for a major tournament is something that we all want to do. And I think the focus will definitely be there. And and obviously the work rate is always there and the passion is always there. But I think it's it's about being clever and going into the game and and playing the right way and and hopefully as I say getting the results. Like I said something to you yet when we were speaking yesterday. Like if we if we were to, if we were to get to a, a major competition in the UK, it, it it's probably what our our league needs. Because we our league is waiting on something for this league to explode. Like we, there's no doubt we have the talent there. The talent has grown year on year, but we're just waiting on that explosion explosion moment. And this is the sort of thing that could maybe capitalise women's football. Because you look how big the, the WSL is. That wasn't that once wasn't that big. You know what I mean? Whereas we're just waiting on that as well. Yeah, definitely. I think we've seen it with when I was in Sunderland. I remember my my first game for Sunderland against North County was just after the World Cup in Canada and obviously England's done really well in that and it, the crowds that were at our games then after that was unbelievable so it definitely has a knock-on effect to to see the international team do well you know it will help to promote the league and particularly when you have like I think what, there was a start I read during the commentary I think there was like 14 of the last of the previous squads have either played in the Women's National League or are still playing in it so look it shows the talent that's there and I think it definitely it makes it makes kind of the league more marketable to see kind of the international team do well at a major tournament and that can only help hopefully the league here in Ireland and obviously as well the girls like I think it's important that the girls who are working hard in the Irish team kind of get them opportunities to get kind of like brand ambassador roles and stuff like that and it's only by getting to these major tournaments where you're seen on TV constantly and people are seeing your face that that the girls will get those opportunities and, and hopefully get into a major tournament that will, will bring that for everybody, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. I agree with that. But like one thing I've said this a couple of times, you look at someone like a Denise O'Sullivan, she's playing in the States, doing so well in the States, but her profile isn't anywhere near where it should be because she's a marketable, marketable player. She's a, a superb player as well, but she just doesn't have the profile that she should have. And then you look at someone like Rihanna Jarrett, only last week getting a deal with Intersports, which is massive, you know. So, like, we need to, with these these sort of players, 
if we do well, there, there's massive opportunities for them to grow, to grow. And as as you've seen, what's happened with you over the last couple of years when you initially when you initially broke broke onto the scene in terms of your brand, it went skyrocket. Yeah, I think I think as well the girls need to, I suppose, open up to the opportunities that they might have there and try to. Like I think it's very difficult. I mean, for me personally, I found it difficult. Like when I was getting all the attention that I was getting through social media, and I was asked to be brand ambassador and to put this and that on my social media. And I remember being like, I'm not doing that. You know, it would have been like, no, people will think I'm a dope. You know, like on the way, like you're like, I'm not putting that up. I'm not doing that. Whereas I think the girls need to kind of be open to branding themselves because that's the way football's going at the minute, you know, and it's especially kind of the women's game. I think more and more companies are, are under, not under pressure, but there is kind of that, that push that you have to kind of use more female athletes and, and give, give female athletes that kind of, I suppose, platform. And, and there are opportunities there, but I do think like the girls need to kind of be able to open themselves up to, to putting themselves out there. And obviously look at some people aren't interested in it and that's fine. If you don't want to do it, you don't want to do it. You can just play your football and get on with it. But there are going to be opportunities, I think, in the future. And particularly, as you say, if if we can get to a major tournament, there will be more opportunities because, as you mentioned, Denise has played in the best league in the world and, and she's torn it up as well. If she hasn't just gone and played there, she's been one of the best players in the league amongst some of the best players in the world you know so like she has the opportunity hopefully to to be able to brand herself a little bit better but I think it's it, it will all hopefully come together in the next couple of years if, if we can start getting to major tournaments and and players are able to brand themselves a little bit more like you look at you look at the stuff that came out last week about Tobin Heat and Kristen Press when they signed for United they saw more more shorts with their name on it in the space of a couple of days and the men's had and the men's had in that stage that just shows you how marketable women's footballers footballers can be. Yeah, I think Alex Morgan was only second to to Gareth Bale as well for Spurs. So look at that. It shows there's an interest, and I think I think the WSL have been brilliant. Like they really have. They've really marketed the league so well. And obviously, don't get me wrong, they have. I suppose the help by being involved with like clubs like Manchester United, Man City. Uh, Chelsea, like their clubs that obviously have huge pulling power in terms of getting the likes of obviously American and US because kind of in the past you wouldn't have had kind of players coming from Germany or players coming from the US they would have stayed in their leagues because they would have kind of been in better leagues whereas I think the the FA in England have really really marketed the WSL so well that you've got players of them wanting to come and play in the league and that's that's massive for the league and it's massive for, for English football you know so it's it's great to see that they're able to do that Absolutely. I just want to finish off on one thing that you mentioned a little bit earlier in the interview. You want to get your coaching academy, your coaching academy business kicked off. I've seen a, you, you had a couple of summer camps and, and stuff like that going. How do you find how do you find coaching and what was the the whole idea behind getting into the the coaching business? Um, it's something that I wanted to do for a long time. I think even before, like obviously, the whole podcast thing was crazy and. And obviously opened up a lot of opportunities for me and I had everybody saying, oh, you should do this and you should do that. But like, I always coached. I love coaching kids. I went to America to coach in the summer. I'd done a trip to California, two trips to Philadelphia. Like, I, I really enjoyed kind of coaching kids and getting involved. So that was something that I've wanted to do for a long time. And I kind of, I only really got the opportunity to have the time to do it when I was injured and I was back home. So I kind of, I suppose, more focused on it then. And, and like, I wanted to do it right as well. I didn't, like, I've seen so many people who, who have these coaching companies and they're going into schools and like, they're not insured, they're not they're not doing it the right way. And like I kind of wanted to make sure that if I was doing it and I was putting my name to it, that, that I was doing it the right way, you know. So I think that was important to me. And and just given the opportunity to to do it with the time that I had off when I was injured. And thankfully, like I said, we started last year and 
it was a the February midterm break, which is when we started last year, and like we only had thirty people on the camp, and then the summer we kind of got bigger numbers, and then this kind of early midterm and then summer we had rocketed numbers like we had loads of people coming and we've had repeat customers and the girl, like the kids that have come to the camps have then gone to hold their friends and it's just helped to grow like I think we've done everything the right way I've got really good coaches working with me like Dean Dean has been great in helping me kind of just doing the logistics and, and everything else and we've had really good people kind of involved in helping us and look hopefully it will continue to grow this whole COVID thing hasn't helped because we were looking to build in terms of getting into more and more schools but obviously that's being put on hold. So it's, it's been a bit frustrating for, frustrating for me because I've come home to try and work on that and it's kind of being put to a halt. But yeah, look, it's it's something that I'm very passionate about. I love working with kids. I've, I've nieces and nephews and I really enjoy kind of just seeing... It, it, there's there's something that's really, really special about seeing a kid coming maybe at like six or seven, five or six, kind of only learning how to play football and then they come back the following year and you can see them kind of just, just get gradually getting better in themselves and it's just it's nice to see and you know? I so I'm just happy to be able to to coach football as well as play In terms of yourself coaching wise obviously you're going to look to maybe exploit some of the opportunities that the FAI being put out in recent years in terms of you look at the UEFA B, the UEFA B license for female coaches like they're really pushing to have more and more female coaches so there's, there's avenues for you to get through badges and, and build your way up because realistically at the moment we've uh, I think we've only like three or four pro licensed coaches from or- from Ireland like we don't have an awful lot of pro yeah. licensed female coaches there are as much as as much as we we've some great men's coaches who have pro licenses it's great to see more females taking an interest in it maybe some females who've done the female only UEFA B now actually want to progress on and do the UEFA A, they don't mind being mixed because they've had the opportunity to, to learn. So are you looking to progress up them sort of ladders as well? Yeah, definitely. I think I actually was in touch with the FBI and Reagan was in touch with me about the one last year, but it was literally, it was going to be pretty much the week where I was going to Italy and I kind of didn't want to be going and then coming back. So I kind of put it off, but definitely I want to, I want to do my UEFA B. I, I done my youth cert, obviously, back when I was on Project Futsal a couple of years ago so it's something that I'm interested in definitely and hopefully I can I can climb the ladder and it's it's great to see the FBI putting on these kind of these things for, for women because I think there are times where you can go into coaching courses and you're the only woman and it can be a little bit intimidating but like look I think football is changing and, and I think more people's opinions on, on females in sport is definitely changing I think people are more open to seeing it so look I'd be happy enough to do it whether it be female only or whether it be with, with, with men, you know. So I'm just, we'll see what happens whenever the next one comes about. I'll be hoping to, to try and get on it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like the final thing, like you, when you were on that futsal course, there probably wouldn't have been many females on that either. Same with the ETB courses, where now you look at them, loads of females are going and doing them. So like the female participation has been brilliant in, in terms of wanting to progress on to elite level sports. So it's, it's great that we continue to grow the, the numbers and we get more things in like obviously at the moment we're crying out for maybe an under 19s league or a women's national league as well to help we're growing in the right we're growing in the right direction and we're moving in the right direction hopefully we can build a brand off the field and we can really give the girls the product they want they deserve yeah exactly that's the hope isn't it i think as i said i've seen it grow a lot since i started playing so so long may it continue and hopefully in a few years to come we might even have a professional league here in ireland but i think there's a bit of work to go before we get there, but hopefully, I think that needs to be the end, the end goal, like that we can have uh, professional players here in the country not needing to go away, and they can play and study here, and then hopefully, you know, set themselves up in terms of after after football and, and try and play at a high level here while they're at home.
Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant, Steph. Uh, really do appreciate coming along and speaking to us this evening. And hopefully we get to watch watch you score a couple of more goals this season and continue to play well. No problem. Great. Thanks, Aaron. It's great to see Steph back in the league. You know, she adds a, a lot of profile a lot of profile to the league. You just hope she can stay fit and get back get back playing regularly and doing well because it's good to see, you know, she she obviously made made her name in the league when she scored the, the Puskas goal against Wexford Youths down in Ferry Carrick Park. But to see she's back now and she's back enjoying her football is the most important thing. She's a great addition to the league and hopefully long may continue that she continues to do well. But we wish her the best of luck with her footballing and coaching and coaching stuff as well. Also coming up tonight, we're, what we're going to do is we're going to get some reaction from Saturday's game between Bohemians and Cork City in the FAI Cup, where we'll speak to Boas assistant manager Patre. He will also speak to Cork's manager Rona Collins, as well as defender Kieran McNamara, who got onto the score sheet. In addition to that, we will speak to Anya Gorman from P-Mount after P-Mount's win against DLR Waves last night, the 3-2 victory. And as well, Graham Kelly will tell us his thoughts on the game. He was a little bit disappointed he didn't get something out of the game. I'm joined by Cork City defender Kira McNamara. Kira, 3-1 win, cup quarter final away to Bowes. You got on the score sheet as well? Yeah, it's always nice to get on the score sheet. I haven't been on for about like, say, 18 months, so uh, it's nice to kind of help the girls anyway I can. Um, it was a good performance in the first half. I think we dropped off a little bit in the second half and we left Bowes back into it. But credit to the girls, we kind of we managed it and kind of saw the game out in the end. Going ahead early always helps. Yeah, definitely. You can set the nerves, but especially as a defender, anyway, you know that you're kind of you're calm and you're composed. And after a while, so yeah, get the early goal is nice. In terms of the performance itself, you say as you say, first half it was a bit ruthless. Yeah, we were yeah, we worked on that during the week. Just our crossing and finishing needs to be a bit sharper. I think uh, it paid off. Now in the second half, we dropped a little, but there'll be things that we can work on going into the Galway game next week. How much does the fact that you've you're on, a, you're on before this game, you're on a run of five wins in a row. This is six wins in a row. How much does that bring that lead into that the confidence is, is massive in the group? Yeah, huge. I mean, it's all about building momentum, do you know what I mean? Especially with the whole COVID thing and we've so long went out of the game, you know, it's always important to build momentum and things like that. And it just gives confidence every week, you know. And the girls are coming off the bench as well, they're losing with confidence as well and training's been really good and stuff. So hopefully we can keep that going. I know you say players are losing with confidence, but you've named the same, same lineup for six six games in a row. That's unprecedented, especially you look at last year, probably one or two games in a row, you named the same lineup, if even. So, like, to actually have the opportunity to have the same players in the team. Yeah, it's fantastic. It, like, it's brilliant that we all know each other now inside out at this stage. And as I said, like, the girls come off the there's stiff competition, like, one mistake and we could be out next week, you know what I mean? So, they keep setting our toes on training and as they come, on, they come off the bench, they're really sharp and know what to do and everyone's fighting for the same thing, so it's great. And in terms of youth as well, this is this year you're you're one of the more experienced players in the team. Like you're seeing the likes of Lauren getting on the score sheet, Laura Shine coming off the bench as well. The youth is really adding a lot this year. Yeah, I know. I'm one of the oldies now at 24. Like sad to say, but it's brilliant. Like the girls come up through the ranks and stuff, and like they're oozing with confidence. I know when I started in the league, like I wasn't as confident there, and it's just fantastic that like the 17s are doing really well as well. So like hopefully it can continue now, and we can get more young girls getting their, their debut soon. And just a word on Galway next week in the league, another tough game. Yeah, it's going to be a huge game. Uh, they're, all, they're always really tricky to play, especially when they come down to us. So uh, we'll be ready to work on stuff now during the week and we'll look at the, how they get on tonight and we'll uh, go from there. Brilliant, Kerry. Thank you very much for joining me and the very best of luck next No week. problem at all. Thanks, William. I'm joined by Cork City boss Ronan Collins. Ronan, 3-1 win, FAI Cup quarterfinal against Bohemians. The last time you were up here, the side, the side share, uh, shared seven goals. Come out with a 3-1 win today. Give us your reflections. Um, we could have maybe shared seven goals again. Um Happy, I suppose, to be in the next round of top bows. Um, really brought it to us at times. Second half, I think they've made it very hard on us. Um, I think there's a lot of areas we were happy with. Um, there's maybe some areas we need to now work on because um, I thought we could have done a bit better. But I suppose the big thing in a cup is anything can happen in a cup match. You want to be in the hat for the next round, and we've managed to go and do that today. First half in particular, your side were excellent. Um, 
I thought we were excellent at areas of the game. Um, I thought, you know, we, we probably punished them on attack and set pieces. We, we got to two second phases really well and finished them, finished them well. So I think that made a big difference. And I, I, think, I think we were lucky enough to be coming in at scoreline we did. But it's good to show that ruthless streak. Um, there was actually elements of the second half that we were probably a bit happier with but definitely I think Bowes did really well to break our flow at times and they created some good chances Lauren, Natalie and Kieran Mack on the score sheet two defenders on the score sheet <laughs> yeah yeah well we're we're definitely sharing the goals around the team you know um, so I think Lauren that takes her up to three for the year I think we have a good few on three and Nat and Kira. I know in training over the last few weeks, the girls have been really attacking the ball, offset pieces, and it's really good to see them get the rewards for that. They don't get up the pitch too often to get chances to score, so it's good to see them net it when they do. The biggest thing we talk about in, in this league, especially when you look at the short, how short it is this year, is momentum. Your side couldn't be riding on any more momentum. Six wins and a bounce between five league wins and one cup win. Yeah, no, we, we have good momentum, but the girls are in good shape. Um, they're working hard. Again, some think players off the bench did really well and especially after Bohemians got the goal I thought they came on and settled us again you know and um, so that momentum is built through the squad and we just got to keep going it's another tough game next week you know when we we got to prepare for that as we have been like one thing in previous years gone by maybe you wouldn't have had the sort of depth on your bench that you can bring on four or five subs you know you, you players that you can you just bring on and you can trust them to make an impact for you straight away yeah they, they did really well they were sharp I thought like a key thing when you're bringing players on is they need to come on and not spend a few minutes getting into the game and I thought that's what they did they changed the tempo of the game for us straight away they were sharp they were warm they made good decisions they're able to look at what we need to change on the pitch and I think they did that today and they just tidied things up for a bit first and like this year it's been good to have that if you're looking for maybe someone to close out the game or maybe someone to change it with a threat here or to close shut down a certain area it's, it's great to be able to turn around to the bench and to be honest there's a few girls not in the squad today as well who can, we can look at and who offer us that so that's been a real positive Next next up for you go in the league last last game of phase one you do have your place in phase two in the top top half of phase two secured but that doesn't really make a difference when it comes to next week next week's just about getting the result Yeah to be honest anything that happens in any part of the season doesn't really matter it's always just the next game um, it'll be a real challenge next week so we have the week now to prepare for it I think we all bodies are okay as well which is always a key thing coming out of fixtures so on to next week Obviously you'll be looking at They play in cup action this evening You'll be looking at just watching them On the way home will it? Yeah we'll be on the bus now Hopefully that'll shorten the journey Do you know So um, no, we'll, Obviously everyone's having a good look At each other this year And we all know each other very well So There'll be no surprise But it'll be interesting To see how all the games this evening go Brilliant Ron Thanks for joining me Thanks Aaron Thank you I'm joined by Bohemian's assistant manager Patrahi Pa Disappointing to come out of the cup today 3-1 loss at home Against Cork City uh, disappointed to lose a game, but not this. Uh, this uh, more disappointed with the performance in the first half. Uh, the second half again, it's we do well. He asked the girls to win the second half, and that's what they've done. It's pretty. They, they, they don't do what they do in the second half of games in the first half, and then we can we compete more in games. But uh, disappointed, yeah. It's probably is it fair to say maybe that was your worst first half performance of the season? Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. Yeah, we didn't play well at all. It just took us how long to get into the game. And then we get into the game, the things started to go really well. Um, I thought Maria Sullivan was top quality in goal. What a goalkeeper. I mean, just a couple of saves she made, a 
kicking and handling was excellent. Usual suspects, Ava Manny, Sovelis was great down the wing. Um, Sersha, again, Natalie, top, top side, Cork. Uh, Rowan has done a great job with them. And uh, Alison, I think on the end of the day, they were the better side and they deserve to win. If you're not switched on from the start, you get punished and you got punished early and that was you're sort of chasing the game from very early yeah that's what I seem to get getting used to chasing games Aaron at the moment uh, and you know it's like especially on a windy day you, you start conceding goals early all you do is chase the game and then what happens then is you're, you, you, you kind of lack at the back and you lose concentration because everyone wants to go forward and score goals and that's what happens so yeah, yeah it is what it is yeah, we have to learn, live and learn and hopefully the girls will do that you're back in action again next week. You play at Lone Town. At Lone, you beat on penalties in the, in the Cup the previous round. We are home here in the league on Saturday. Another another opportunity to put in a performance and hopefully put up in the back first half display. Yeah, it's, listen, I think that game at Lone was very tight. At Lone, are very good side. Uh, Tommy hasn't played very well. Very, I think they're an excellent side. They're a ba- tough balance side. It's very similar to us, actually. So, this will be the end of this, this phase of the group against Atlone. Hopefully, we get a result out of it if we do. If we don't, no big deal. And then we're going to the last uh, phase and playing against teams more of our own level, and which should be good. So, we should be able to compete in games every week. So, looking forward to that. Brilliant, Pat. Thanks and look forward to catching up next week. Thanks, Aaron. I'm joined by Piment United captain Anya O'Gorman. Anya, 3 2 win against DLR Waves. Is are made to work for the win? Yeah, I think so. I think we probably made it quite difficult for ourselves as well. I uh, don't think we were quite at the races and we gave them a sniff to get back into the game and I think they, they took their chances and worked hard and, and battled all game and, and made it tough for us. First half, you, you go up 2-0, you go in 2-0 at half-time, the Cardinals in, can see it very quick after the break. Yeah, I think so. I think that then just put us on the back foot and then obviously the second goal to make it 2-2. But look, we got over the line and I think you just have to get these three points when you're maybe not playing at your best. Considering the run of games you've had now, playing midweek, you don't have a game this weekend, you're finished phase one, finished top, that would have been what you wanted. Yeah, exactly. I think we're happy enough with where we stand at the moment, so uh, we'll train for the rest of the week. I think we're due a weekend off and then we'll uh, regroup for the next phase. Two goals from yourself tonight, you've been in fine form the goals this season. Yeah, I think I scored two, but I missed four, so I'm uh, not really happy with that, but look, we got it over the line in the end. And now what are you looking forward to now? Obviously, we're going into phase two for you as... You're going to play the sides in the top four, top five again, so you've another four competitive games. Yeah, they're all going to be tough games. Obviously, uh, we'll see who finishes out in the the top five as well. But we're, look, we're going to have to be at the races for every single game, and then we have the cup games and our Champions League coming up, and then obviously a big international game against Ukraine. Now you just have you'll just have two, a couple of more games before you head to Ukraine. Obviously, as you said, you're announcing the squad the other day. Must be excited, especially considering where we are in the group. Yeah, I think so. I think it's obviously a big game, and there's. Uh, no, no getting away from that and we have to go out and play the way we can and, and hopefully get the result and put us in a good position for a playoff. I'm joined by DLR Waves boss Graham Kelly. Graham, you must be extremely disappointed you didn't get something out tonight. Yeah, I am, but extremely proud as well, Aaron, because the girls have put a shift and a half in there. You know, when you, when you go into and down to Piemont at halftime, it's go, it goes one or two ways. You know, you roll up your sleeves and you try and give them a game or you're on, the, on a hiding to nothing, you know, and in fairness to our girls, they, they were superb, you know, I can't ask for any more couple of goals especially in the first half you probably you could have done without you maybe if you're tired at the back you wouldn't have conceded yeah 100% I thought the first 20 minutes 15-20 minutes we were really good we looked really compact but look Piment only need one chance you know and we'd given them one just before and it pulls off a remarkable save but Anya doesn't miss two you know and, and she proved that again tonight you know they've looked they've quality everywhere and defensively I think yeah we, we've given away soft goals and, and that's probably the most disappointing thing tonight will be the goals we conceded when we look back on them but again we've got to try and take the positives out you come in at half time 
they, they start to come into the game a lot more late in the first half. You come in at half time, probably the perfect opportunity just to regroup, but you don't wait long after the break to hit the net. No, no, look, and we just said to them, you know, we've got to open. I, I knew there wasn't 20, 30% more in us, you know, and sometimes our girls, they're so young and they can be a little bit intimidated coming out to PM at the home of the champions, you know, but I think they knew after 45 minutes, we have a chance, you know, if we, if we, we can play, you know, and we've shown that again tonight that we can compete, you know, and the next stage now is to you know, cut out the defensive errors and, and be more clinical in the final third. Katie Malone and, Ra- and Rachel Doyle the goals Rachel Doyle with two goals Rachel got both of them um, Rachel got the first and, and the free kick as well so uh, unbelievable work from her you know she probably chased down the last cause for the first goal but she, she got a reward you know and, and the second one's unbelievable Like you won't see a better free kick than that today you know it's it's unbelievable it's fantastic you could hear you on the sideline saying maybe Katie Burda should have taken that, that was me Aaron and, and the lads are saying to me no no and thank god I didn't shout and my voice was going luckily enough because um, I think Rachel would never forgive me for that one but what a strike you know and I look forward to looking back on the video because it was superb even when you can see the goal then you're well in the game at that, at that time you're still pushing forward it's, it's, a, it's a sucker punch yeah it is but like it, that, that's probably the thing you know that's when people are the most dangerous when you have them on the back foot because the quality they have in that final third uh, and again it's a soft goal from, from air side we could see it on the line centre halves hadn't tucked into cover and once on he gets in as I say she doesn't miss two or three you know Keeper made a good couple of saves though. He is fantastic. You know, Eve and, and Eve Reebok there tonight, the two of them have pulled off worldly saves. You know, Eve has pulled off probably three or four, but like the save uh, Neve Reebok pulls off from the Dean Clare, it's unbelievable. Like the, the two of them are the best two keepers in this league and they've proved it tonight. In terms of your squad, Graham, maybe in the last last year you probably didn't have the depth as such. You can see tonight you made, you, you used your bench, you brought on a lot of players, a lot of trust in them, and, and even the girls on the pitch who started had a lot of trust in them as well because you can hear the, the talk and the communication between them. That, that's key in your time. Uh, it's huge. Um, we said that this year we've 24 players. We've two players for every position. We, we feel that they're all as good as each other. You know, tonight we're missing Carla McManus, Avril Brearley, Neve Pryor pulls up sick in, in the warm-up. So that, that's probably, you know, our experienced players were missing there tonight and obviously you know the, the girls that went in were fantastic the subs that go in they just give us a lift you know they have energy they're, they're technically very good so yeah look we're okay and as I said to people before this is 18 months into a 3 to 5 year plan and hopefully we can keep building and take confidence from tonight how far away is Carla McManus? Because obviously everybody knows she's out with the ACL. Mm. How far away is she? She'll be on the bench on Saturday. She, she got the, the go-ahead uh, the weekend to, to be back on, in the squad for Saturday. So um, hopefully we might see maybe 10, 15 minutes. All depends how the game's going. But we'll probably see the best of Carla in the second phase of fixtures. Well, sorry, we won't see the best of Carla in the next season. But we'll see, we'll see glimpses of it because in training she's shown it to us and she's going to be a massive addition to us. Last game of phase one on Saturday, you host Wexford Youth in a tough game. Yeah, but you know, a really good side, and like I've said there, I like when we play good sides, you know, because there's no easy games in this league. But we just have to up it again, and, and the girls have to take the confidence from tonight. Uh, Wexford is a, a really massive challenge for us again, but it's in the ball, fantastic pitch, and hopefully we can put in another good performance. Brilliant, Graham. Look forward to catching you soon. Thanks, Aaron. Cheers, mate. Folks, thanks for joining us again. We'll be back again real soon. Um, we hope you enjoyed the episode but don't forget you can, you can listen back to all episodes on SoundCloud Spotify any any podcast site you should be able to get them on and if you can't let us know we'll be happy to make sure we rectify that you good night